Hey all, Root here, the Oracle Egg Toting Warlock with more style than hit points. Hey, and this is Freckle Face, known with more than 10 exalted reputations. Bringing you another full length edition of our now world famous podcast here at HearthCast.com. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about. Uh, we'll go through some email questions from a couple users. Uh, we're looking at some of the changes we've done on the website. We're going to get into some main content. What are we talking about today in the main content, Freckleface? We're talking about the symbiotic relations of professions. Yeah. Um, which is actually very interesting. I didn't mean to make a negative comment. After that, we are going to get into the Auction House Tip of the Week. Freckleface has a Tip of the Week for us as well. I sure do. And we're also going to cover our new segment, which is going to be Fishing for Wishes. Then we'll go over any kind of patch notes, and then we'll talk to you guys about what's coming up next week. So, Freckleface, what is going on with you this week in the world of Warcraft? Well, this week, Root, I got exalted with the Sons of Hodir. Um, and, you know, if you've been listening to my short cast, I did one about how, you know, doing rep grinding Northrend. Right. So that finally paid off, and I'm still kind of saving up to get that big mammoth, which carries you know two passengers, it it'll end up being eight thousand gold. Well, you know you're only gonna be able to carry one passenger with that, right? No, it's two passengers. What's well, one? Because you're always gonna carry me everywhere else, so you only have to look for one other person. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was pretty much about about it for this week. Other than just doing a few heroics, um, what have you been up to? Well, not a whole lot in the World of Warcraft this week. This is one of those weeks where real life kind of took over for a lot. But I did manage to get on, do some dailies, got revered with the Oracles, and I went to the quartermaster there, and I've got my my egg. Uh, so I think I'm in day two now of, of seven to wait for it to hatch uh, into either the green goo or the flying mount or whatever it's going to hatch into, which I'm going to go on the record now and say it's going to be the flying mount, so... Just, well, we'll we'll check in with you next week, see how that turned out for you. Well, I can just tell you now, it's going to be the flying mount. So, oh, uh, okay. Hey, you know what? Blizzard announced the top ten arena teams. Oh boy, who is in the top ten? Well, it was rather interesting looking at this. There are a lot of Death Knight, Paladin, and Warlock teams. That seems to be a pretty strong team with the Death Knight, Death Knight, Paladin, and Warlock. How many of them? Uh, it looks like about seven out of the top ten teams were the wow. Death Knight, Pally, <laughs> Warlock combo. Um, mm. We had a Hunter, Mage, Shaman combo in there. And then the, kind of a strange one, Hunter, Shaman, Warlock combo in there. But there are some classes strangely absent from the top ten teams. Like rogues, I noticed. Rogues aren't there. Priests aren't there. Who else isn't there? Warriors. Warriors. And Orders. Druids. So, you know, it looks like a lot of people are going to some specialized tanking and healing. You know, they're not going with the, with the, the true healers or, or true warriors. They're kind of doing some hybrid classes in there uh, to, uh, to make the top ten. So it's rather interesting. Um, everybody figured to be death knights all over the place, and, and they were right on the money about that. There are death knights all through the, uh, the top ten uh, for the arena. Awesome. You know what I am super pumped about, Ruth? What are you super pumped about? Other than you your, know your double mount. Do you know what two of my passions are? I'll oh, tell you two of them. Let me guess. I'm going to say World of Warcraft okay. and knitting. No. <sighs> Mountain Dew. Is that one or two? That's the second one. Oh, so World of Warcraft and Mountain Dew. Okay, I got gotcha. you. 
I love Mountain Dew. It's so tasty. And, like, you know, it's really, it's the best thing to drink while you're playing World of Warcraft. They should combine the two things. That is what they did. Get out. I know. They're going to have Mountain Dew come in two different flavors, a Blue Alliance flavor and a Red Horde one. You know, I did read something about this, and I remember I got a little bummed about it, uh, because if I remember, the Alliance Blue is a wild fruit flavor. And the horde red is like a citrus cherry flavor, and that's just more stuff for the for the alliance to get grief about, in my opinion. Well, what now, can you say? Hey, well, I'm just happy, you know. You can not only have your characters, but you can pick which side. Now, what would be cool is if they actually put some the uh, some in game rewards underneath the caps of those Mountain Dew bottles. Oh. Uh. Because that would just be the bomb, and I don't think stores in a lot of areas could keep Mountain Dews on the shelf. People... I don't think I, I don't think I can handle it, Rude. I think that there'd be too much of a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so in this case, it would be something. There is such thing as too much of a good thing for you if they combined World of Warcraft, Mountain Dew, and in-game rewards under the cap of those Mountain Dews. That would be too I much. I think I would just implode. Not, not, <laughs> not a good thing. <laughs> well, before you implode, Freckleface, let's get to some email questions. The first one we got here is from Urkvorum. And Urkvorm wants to know, does Fell Synergy increase spell power from demonic knowledge? This person's a, a, a warlock, and I want to know this. The thing about this is, um, read the tooltip. Uh, when you look at the tooltip for uh, Fell Synergy, it says your summoned demons share an additional 10% of your armor, intellect, and stamina. And you have a 100% chance to heal your pet for 15% of the amount of damage done by you. So it has nothing to do with increasing of the spell power. Um, they will benefit from an increase of spell power because you're doing more damage, and that means they're going to get a better chance to heal your pet for 15% of them damage doing. So if your spell power is increased, then the amount of damage you do benefits them. Uh, so the Fell Synergy does you know, improve with your spell knowledge or, and your spell power, but it does not really equate to demonic knowledge. So it's a little, um, yeah, it's a little off there. So the answer, you know, if we get right down to it, would be no. But uh, it, they do still benefit from spell power in a, in a, in a roundabout way. Okay. And uh, we have another question. It's from Shaman's LOL. Um, and he's having a problem downloading patch files. Um, you know, we had talked about that in Shortcast about getting it downloaded ahead of time. Um, and it just, his launcher wasn't downloading it and wants to know where to go for that. Yeah, that happens to a couple of people that I've that I've talked to in the game where they just get stuck, uh, where it's either not completing, or it's taking too long. And while we did talk about that in the patch notes, where to get it, sometimes uh, your actual ISP, your internet service provider, does block that type of traffic. Uh, Blizzard tends to use a torrent-like way of downloading, and a lot of times your ISPs will block that or throttle it severely. So it just takes forever uh, to get that down. You can download them directly. Uh, the best place to go is wowwiki.com. Um, underneath wowwiki.com, if you go to forward slash patch underscore mirrors, you'll have an entire list of the mirrors that are available to you to download that file directly, typically in a zip format, with instructions on how to implement that. So if you just go to wowwiki.com, you'll be able to download those patches directly uh, from a myriad of different places, whichever one is closest to you geographically, and then follow the instructions on exactly how to get that queued up uh, so that the World of Warcraft game knows exactly where that patch file is when it comes time to implement it. So wowwiki.com would be the answer for that. 
Now, a question I ran across, and I saw it first on a blog, and I was all set up to talk about it, and then our good friends over at WoW Insider uh, had it posted on their site and actually talked about it in their podcast, but that is not going to deter me from talking about it in HearthCast.com. That question is, is the game of World of Warcraft getting easier, or are we as players getting better? Uh, and this question was posed because of the amount of time it took people to you know, blow through uh, this latest expansion, the content available in it, and the amount of time it took them to actually get through it, uh, I think, as I've said before, I think took Blizzard by surprise. So I'm going to let you answer that question first, Freckleface. Is the game getting easier, or are we getting better? Well, you know, in my opinion, <clears throat> I think it's both. Um, more experienced players obviously know how to tackle new content a little better than a couple years ago. Um, I think what they're kind of doing is making the end content. It's still really hard to get to, and they're kind of, since it's such a long gap between making a brand new character and getting to 80 and getting to end content, that it's it takes longer than you know getting to 70 was or getting to 60 was, that they're kind of shortening that in the middle phase. Um, and making you know you level a little easier and making other things quicker. Right, um, that's something we talked about before. How they are kind of quote unquote dumbing down the game a little bit uh, in professions and making some of the things like the the warlocks uh, epic mount now is just a, an item you can buy instead of quest. We talked about that. Now you said it was a little bit of both. So so far you said that that Blizzard has dumbed down a little bit of the, of the beginning level of the game. What do you think? How do you think players are actually getting better? Well, I think people are using more of their resources now. Um, they're, they know their class better. Um, they, they're just kind of better at collaborating and kind of getting to where they need to go. So it just boils down to experience, you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, but you had an interesting theory about it, didn't you? I do. What I like to throw in the whole ring, and I think they totally missed this, unless I missed it in some comments somewhere because I'm not a big comment reader. Uh, I think it's add-ons. I think it's the add-ons that people are using in today's game. Um, add-ons have gone from simple, uh, you know, messages to full-blown applications almost in the game that have made the game so much easier. Uh, we talk about an add-on every week, and we'll continue to talk about an add-on every week because there's so many of them that are beneficial to the game, to your class, to you as a player, um, that it just makes it not easier. But you have more information about what is going on around you and in your environment at your fingertips, and you're, you're able to react to the changes in a game a lot quicker than you were before. So I don't think it has the, the game's much easier. I don't think it has anything to do with the player. I think it has to do with the amount of information that is now available through add-ons to the player. Questions or comments, feel free to email us at contribute at hearthcast.com, and we will get those answered or commented on or discussed if you for instance don't think that uh add-ons have made it any easier let us know we'll, we'll hash that one out on the air some changes on the websites this week a friend of mine pointed out that uh we had crossed the top there if you wanted to contribute to the show that you could click on the contribute button and my friend pointed out very uh, quickly that that sounded like somebody wanted to make a monetary donation they want to actually contribute money to the show and we weren't asking for that so I said, fine, I'll you know I'll change that and I'll make it um, a participate or something. He said, no, that's still that's still too much. So now 
It just says right across the top, be part of the show. So if you'd like to be part of our show, visit our site at hearthcast.com and click on the be part of our show link right across the top, and that will uh, let you be part of our show. We've also changed the licensing on our shortcasts. The shortcasts are those little uh, in-between our long, full-length podcasts, which you're listening to now. We have shortcasts up the last about a minute or so. And those shortcasts, we have opened the licensing up for them for other podcasts and other content providers to use. If you look at our acceptable use policy on our website, you will see exactly how you can use our shortcasts in your own uh, works. So, Freckleface. Yes. Professions and the whole symbiotic relationship of professions. You know, what I think is most fascinating about World of Warcraft um, is really the community of the game. And this is actually something that we'll be talking about, um, you know, off and on, because it really is such a strong part of the game. You know, a lot of people's goals are to be, to make an achievement that, you know, kind of makes them stand out. And it's very competitive. But what we don't really talk about so much is, you know, how dependent we are on each other as a community. So what we're focusing on today is just how, whatever profession you are, how you're dependent on another profession to do what you need to do. And, you know, what we're going to be doing is just, some of them might be obvious to you, but some of them aren't, aren't, aren't quite as obvious. You might learn a little bit. Um, what would be the most obvious to you, Root? The most obvious to me? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a skinner and a miner. Um, and I know that, that tailors are always buying the skins that I put in the auction house. So to me, that's the one that's most obvious. I see that one every day. Okay. Well, see, that's something that I wouldn't have thought about right away, is tailors being dependent on skinners. Because when I think skinning, I think leatherworking, obviously. Now, your miners, the people who are dependent on miners, are blacksmiths for the bars, jewel crafters for the jewels, and engineers for the bars as well. And then you have, you go into the herbs, and you have herbalism and the gathering skill, which used to just be used for alchemy. Now they added inscription in, which lets people make glyphs. You know, I think that was a good addition by Blizzard because it really made the herbalism a, you know, a better gathering skill to use because now you're just not gathering things for yourselves or selling things to an alchemist. Uh, you've actually got more of a demand for uh, your product. Uh, so it's something you put up in the auction house, and now people who are inscribers, people who are alchemists or whoever um, can actually jump in and actually you know, compete for the uh, herbs that you've gathered. Right, it's a much more versatile versatile items that you're gathering now that they added the inscription. Now, you know, I'm an engineer, so a lot of my perspective comes from that. And just a few kind of relationships I've noticed that an interesting that engineers can make is the aquadynamic fishing lures, which gives you plus 100 fishing. Um, now, you can get pretty much the same stat by doing the fishing dailies in Outland. But, uh, you know, Outland is so six months ago, obviously. Right. So fishermen do need these lures. And even if you go to the the, the fishing supply vendors, they might have one or two of them. And then once you buy them, they're gone. So to have them on a consistent amount, um, you need an engineer. 
Um, which is odd because a lot of things engineers make can only be used for themselves, like the bombs, um, any of the trinkets, any of the additions that any of the tinkering that they'll do with the armor, you know, they can only do it for themselves. It's interesting that there's that relationship there. Now, if you're an engineer and you're going goblin, there are a few specialty items that require goblin rocket fuel. Now, the only way you can get that is an alchemist has to make it. Mm. But the way that an alchemist makes it is by getting the recipe from a goblin engineer. So instead of relying on the auction house, ha- trying to find an alchemist who happened to have that recipe, you know, it's almost better just to hook up with an alchemist and say, hey, let me write you this recipe. You give it to them, let them learn it, give them the mats, and let them craft it and give it back to you. Mm. So that's kind of like a... An interesting cycle there because I've I've tried to make some that's try to get some get that myself, and it's it's just really hard to find. And typically, unless an alchemist has an engineer wanting to buy the goblin rocket fuel, they're not going to make it. Because um, I've tried putting the recipe up in the auction house just for, you know, not very much at all. It's a couple of gold, and no one really buys it. So you kind of have to go and track down someone and work with them to be able to get what you need to do. Which is what you're talking about before with the inner dependability of the game. Exactly. You know, we kind of go back to the fishing with the with the engineers, and fishing is kind of, in my opinion, a very a very underrated skill. And we're going to talk about that a little later with the patch notes about how it's going to be changing. But out of all the people who play, typically a complaint is that you know it's too hard to learn, it's too tedious to sit there and fish. But if you look at the things that cooks can make, the different buffs that they that it can give, um, whether it be attack power, haste, strength, um, even spell damage and mana per second, that requires fish. So if there was no one out there fishing up the, you know, fishing in the waters of Northrend, there'd be nothing to cook, and like these, you know, great foods wouldn't exist. Oh, that is absolutely true. I mean, I'm very dependent on you as a cook or as a chef now, I guess I apologize, uh, for the, um, the, the the buff food that you send me. I mean, that's helped out tremendously in raids that I've been in. Yeah, and really, and people, and it's, it is one of those secondary skills that anyone can pick up, but a lot of people don't because, you know, it costs a little bit of time and money, and it's just something else to something else to level when they could be doing something else. Now, Root, you are... A minor skinner. That is correct. So the last thing I'm kind of going to say is that, you know, people who are gatherers may think they're kind of out of the loop here with the interdependency. But you need people to buy your materials. Oh, absolutely. That's how you you make your bread and butter. Not only do I need people to buy my materials, but luckily I have a really good friend who's an engineer. And I was able to get uh, from them a nice little tool that combined my mining pick and uh, my skinning knife together into one. The Gnomish Army Knife is a really neat item in the game. But you know what? We weren't even going to talk about all the different things that professions can make that anyone can use because we can have a whole other segment on that. Oh, you're absolutely right. That, I mean, there's so know. many things. You know, and it reminds me of a story uh, back in the California Gold Rush days uh, where people flocked to California – uh, the 49ers, 
uh, in the hopes of striking gold and making it rich and, you know, just, just having the entire lives taken care of. And a lot of people went out there. Uh, a lot of other people who went out there were people who were selling shovels to the people who came out there mining for gold. So they were selling them the shovels. They were selling them all the materials they needed to mine for that gold. And more often than not, the people who were making money were the people selling them the things to mine uh, their gold for. So it is something where everybody is dependent on another another profession for something. Because like you said, I need people to buy my materials or else it's a worthless time for me to go out there. Um, now with the Titan Steel uh, becoming so popular, now people aren't just buying my materials, but they're actually buying my services, buying my cooldowns, like we talked about last week, uh, for me to actually produce Titan Steel bars for them out of ore. Oh, exactly. And you're not, you know, farming materials and putting up on the auction house and waiting for someone to buy them. You're just taking someone's mat, smelting it, giving back, and they give you, you know, 20 gold or more. Because they need, because if they are wanting to save money by crafting it themselves, then they had to depend on other people to craft those mats for them. Exactly. But you know, kind of what it comes back to, and we touch on this a lot, is really having a good guild with this interdependency. And it's even come up in our guild how we've noticed, you know, we don't have any tailors, and people keep asking for it. And it's kind of getting to the point where I want to go in the recruitment channel and say, any tailors looking for a guild, as opposed to asking. You know about the class respect, right? And I think it's starting to come down to that because you know once people have known their class so well and they're playing the class so well and they've gotten into a guild where they're able to level up another character or another class, whatever the guild might need, it is now getting to the point with the end game that people are needing specific gear or specific enchants or specific uh, jewels to socket their weapons or armor with, and it is getting very important for the guild to actually look at the professions that they have available to them, not just the classes and the people, but their actual profession. I think you're right on the money on that one. Right. And, you know, my other tip with that, I'm going to just kind of close with this, Um, you know, with everyone kind of being interdependent, it can cost you a lot to try to further your profession when you're dependent on other people. And one thing I like to do is just kind of make friends with the people I'm working with. You know, I'm an engineer. I make bullets. Um, I have someone who constantly needs them, so I just put them on my friends list, and whenever I'm online, you know, they'll say, hey, you know, can you make this for me? Or they even just send me the materials, and I say, you know, anytime you just want to mail them to me, craft it, make it back, and I just kind of let them tip me what they want to tip me, you know, but since it's kind of a relationship there, you know, I'm not going to feel too put out if I'm not charging them as much. You're exactly right. And that was one of the shortcasts we did a couple of weeks ago where we said get to know the people you do business with. That's a great auction house tip that we talked about where if you notice that one person is consistently buying out whatever you're putting up in the auction house, then just send them a, a note and say, hey, I can sell this to you directly and send it COD or an agreed-upon price. You're eliminating auction house fees. It's the same thing. It's the interdependability of the game, of the players of the game, of the classes of the game. It's the whole interdependability that that Blizzard has created. So I think you're absolutely right again on that point. Okay, and we're going to talk again in the future about the interdependency of professions and how they relate to classes and gameplay. And this segment was just on the professions themselves. So stay tuned for more information on that, and we'll get back to the whole interdependability of different classes and specs and professions in the game of World of Warcraft. Now, moving on, we've got an interesting auction house tip of the week. 
And this is something that I, that I tend to watch a lot when I am doing my auction housing. And that is when to put what on the auction house. In other words, am I going to stockpile everything I've got and make one large listing? Or is it something that I'm going to just, hey, I've got you know a stack of 20. I'm going to put it up there and see what happens. And it really, the answer to that one really depends on what the market is currently doing. Uh, just today, there was a huge run, for some reason, on medium leather. It was up for a stack of 20. It was up to like 139 gold for a stack of 20. And that's something where if I had a stack of 20, bam, it would be on the auction house immediately for that price. However, if you have to watch the auction house, and this is, again, we've said it every week. In fact, uh, it would be a nice surprise at the end of the show. But we said it every week, you have to scan the auction house on a daily basis with the auctioneer add-on to know what is going on in the auction house, to follow trends, to see what's happening. It's not something you can even skip two days with. Two days and you're out of the loop. So you've got to constantly watch the auction house. And it's going to let you know if you should stockpile or or you know list everything on the auction house. If I see something's having a low run, I won't list that item. If I know that item last week or the week before sold for 10 or 20 more gold, I'll hold on to it and I'll wait because that price will fluctuate. It will come back up eventually. And I think, Freckleface, you had the same problem happen with the go, uh, the Gnomish Army Knife, did you not? I did. Um, I made a few just to kind of up my skill. And I noticed that there's so many people kind of doing the same thing. People have multiples and people constantly undercutting to the point where they're posting it for 95 silver or something that it cost. 10 serenite bars to make and I just didn't even bother trying to sell it in the auction house just put it in the guild bank and hope you know someone pick it up and you know love it well and what happens there and this is something we are going to talk about in depth next week is that people just don't really know exactly how to configure how to use auctioneer and they get in there and they think oh, I'm going to undercut this so I can sell my thing I'm going to undercut this so I can sell I'm going to undercut this so I can sell and that will will consistently drive the price of something all the way down uh, to well below what it actually costs and people actually lose money on it in the auction house because you got to think if something is up there for 95 silver and it costs more than that to make they're not even going to make 95 silver off of that because the auction house is going to be taking their fees so to, to stock up or list it all is really dependent on what the market is telling you to do look at it if there's a good run on something you've got a whole stockpile of it Throw it out there. Get it all out there at once. If you don't have any more bank space, obviously just you know dump out the big-name items that you've got. Put them on the auction house. I will typically go through about once a month and completely drain my, my bank. Uh, so there's nothing in my bank bags whatsoever. I have a completely clean slate and start to build up again on that. I typically like to stockpile things that are popular, that I know are going to bring me more money, uh, that I know are going to do well. I tend to like to watch the patch notes and do our patch mining, which we talked about in a short cast. And I will actually extract from those uh, patch notes what is going to be more expensive in the upcoming releases, the upcoming patches. And I'll start stockpiling those so that when those patches go live, I can be one of the first people to the auction house to flood the market at a high end. I'll actually try to set the market rate really high because people will pay top dollar as soon as something else comes, uh, comes away like that. So just watch the auction house. It will tell you if you should stockpile or list it all. All right. So my tip of the week is actually more like a confession. Ooh, okay. It is. Um, you know, Root, as a rogue, I can pick locks. Yes. Now, what what a staple of this is I've always carried around thieves' tools in my bag 
because you need those to pick locks. Makes sense. And I had always thought it was kind of a, uh, a space waster, especially, you know, we talked about the Gnomish Army knife combining everything. And I was kind of thinking, why didn't they put the thieves tool as part of that pocket knife so they didn't have to carry around an extra slot? Well, then I kind of looked at the tool tip and noticed it didn't say require thieves tools anymore. So I decided to test. Next time I went out questing, you know, I was pickpocketing, got some junk boxes, went to pick the lock, and sure enough, it opened up without needing my tools. So your tools are back in the bank, and you're able to pick a lock without a problem. Exactly. So obviously, I don't need them anymore. So I don't know where I missed the boat on that. I could probably go look it up, whatever patch notes that was. But just kind of my my tip slash, you know, kicking myself is to... You know, if you don't read, if you miss something like that, you just pay attention to the tool tips. If they change something in the game, they'll usually update that so so you can know. Hey, Freckleface. Yes. Grab into that big bag of wordage that you have there and pull out our word of the week and how we're going to properly pronounce it so we don't sound like utter noobs in the game. Okay, now. I know you don't want me to do this one. I'm going to do it anyways. Oh, no. This one's controversial. Now, I went around calling this place Howling Fajord. I seriously did that. Okay. But that is obviously incorrect. Now, there is two different ways you can pronounce it. Basically, Fjord or Fayord. The only real difference is the emphasis. And the definition of, of a fjord is a narrow inlet of the sea between cliffs or steep slopes. And that's kind of what that location is. It is. And you really see that if you're coming on the boat from um, Menthol Harbor, you know, you have that really long passageway that you go like right through the middle of that instead of coming around the coast. I was so happy um, when I got my flying mount to jump off there. Yes. Why were one? But yeah, but you're absolutely right. So it's not Howling Fajord. So Mike Stram and the guys over at WowInsider.com are going to be a little put off because they they are um, they've come to the term or the uh, the agreement that it is Fajord. Well, I really don't know where they came up with that because um, I like to go by the dictionary and I like to be right. So I'm going to stick with Fjord. And Nothing I hope but too, mad right? love for those guys, though. So even though we just, <laughs> exactly. We just threw them under the bus, but nothing but mad love for the guys over at WildInsider.com. So, uh, of course, of course. Okay, and Marut, you know, I did do a short cast on our new segment, Fishing for Wishes. Fishing for Wishes, yeah. Um, just to recap a little bit, you know, the Dollaran Fountain, I just, I love it. I really do. I love everything that I fish from there. Um, you can fish up gold, silver, or copper coins. When you get... All of the coins you get in a you get a special achievement. It gives you a little special item. And what I really like about that is every coin captures a wish from one of the characters of World of Warcraft. And some of them are funny, some of them are sad, um, some of them tell you a little bit about the characters. Um, but this week, what we're going to be talking about is Anduin Wern's gold coin. And it says, "I wish I would grow up. It feels like I've been ten for years." Now, if you haven't been to Stormwind before, this is basically the Prince of Stormwind. And he's been 10 years old since the game started. So, yes, Anduin, we wish you would grow up too. And we wish Donna and William would grow up so they can stop chasing each other around for that doll. This is true. Or if uh, Blizzard would allow us to kill them, 
um, so they would quit chasing each other around for the doll. That'd be nice, too. Well, we don't want to get into child abuse there, Roots. <laughs> I just wish one of the upcoming patch notes would be Donna has her doll back. You know, speaking of patch notes, one of the things that, that uh, is coming up with the 3.1 patch, if it makes it live, is that fishing is getting easier. It really is. And, you know, if you get if you get to where you do want to be fishing these coins up yourself, basically you can fish anywhere coming in this new patch. And... It's not going to tell. It's not going to just say no. You, you require fishing of you know such and such points. What you're just going to be doing is you're still going to be leveling. You're still going to be catching stuff, but you're going to be catching you know worthless junk until you get to the skill level that matches where you are, and then you will start catching useful things. Well, you see, um, that's it, fine by me because right now, because my fishing is one of those things that I did neglect as I was leveling, and now I have to go back to old world and finding places around there to fish actually level up my fishing and that's not something that's very conducive if i'm trying to do a battle group or if i'm trying to uh run an instance or get into a raid group it, it's not something that's very conducive for me to go well you know geez where are you root well man i'm clear over in you know iron forge or i'm over wherever i'm at and well can you hearth back now nah, i've burnt my hearth whatever the case might be so to me, I'll fish up junk all day long. I really don't care as long as my skill is progressing. I'm happy with that. So I think this is actually a good thing. I can sit there and dollar in and fish in a fountain and still be okay. I've always thought it was one of the strangest things to go somewhere and some, you know, have the game tell me, I'm sorry, you don't have the skill proficiency to fish in this area. Uh, because that's not something that if, if I took a fishing pole out right now and fished in a lake by my house, I'd probably catch some kind of junk fish. And if I took that same fishing pole and went down to a pier, which is obviously a much difficult, more difficult place to fish, there's no guy that stops going to stop me and go, you know what, you don't have the proficiency to fish here, young man. You have to move along. <laughs> it's not going to happen. So I'm really happy. I mean, I catch anything because I may not have the right lure, the right baits or whatever, but I can still fish. That's why they call it fishing and not catching. And, you know, you have to kind of figure out, okay, I'm – if you're at level 80, but your fishing skill is at level for say 175, trying to figure out where do I need to go? That's going to be optimal. Cause when you're mining, you know, you hover over the little node and it's either, you know, orange, yellow, green, or gray. You can tell what it is relationship to your, to your skill. Whereas fishing, if it's quote orange, then yeah, you can cast it, but it's, it's, you're going to sit there the whole time and then it's going to say your fish got away. And you just kind of waste a little time. Then it kind of gets irritating. Um, another change with that fishing thing is they've taken out the quest that you have to do to level up your fishing. Um, now, if you have done it before, you know that there is Nat Pagel. He's on his island at Thermore. He's drunk. You go to talk to him. He sends you all around Azeroth to like catch these special fish. You know, covers both continents, and you just did that pretty recently, didn't you, Root? Yes, I did. I need to go back to the guy because now my understanding is, uh, since I've done those quests, I can go back to him. He's going to give me a fishing pole. Yes, yeah. Come to patch if you've done that quest, you can go back and get a fishing pole. Um, and also, you don't have to go to Booty Bay to buy the book. You don't have to buy a book from the guy in ch chat. Basically. From my understanding is, you can do all your fishing in the Dollar and Fountain. There's a fishing trainer right there. She'll train you how to all the way up you need to go. You can, you know, toss a few lines here and there while you're waiting on the background to pop or while you're waiting in a group to get together. Um, so it should just be 
just a lot easier to level at and much less intimidating to start if you're 80 and you haven't started fishing yet. And it really is a good skill to pick up. So I really encourage everyone to to go out and try that when they do make those changes. Plus, if you're looking like me, you'll fish up old Iron Jaw. Ooh, I was so jealous when you did that. Well, you still are. I am jealous. Um, but you know what? I did fish up, and we're going to kind of close with this. Um, I fished up a dirty sewer rat. Ooh. Isn't that a and pet? You know, it is a pet. And you know what? I have 32 pets now. Holy cow. And I'm so trying for that 50 pets so I can get my little pet skunk. Um, and it's actually kind of funny. We went on a raid, and I saw someone like, targeting me and they were like patting me on the head and you know kind of giggling at me I'm like kind of going you know what's giggling at me for and I seemed like and say like ha little gnome with a big ass rat (laughs) and it's it's almost as big as me it probably comes up to my shoulders holy cow (laughs) so it's just kind of funny walk around this pet rat and with 32 pets means I'm going to create you a macro to, to cast a random pet with one button Oh, I would love that. So that's what I'm going to do for you. And you know what? We talked about a couple of weeks ago. We talked about that WoW mouse, uh, the one that uh, the World of Warcraft mouse with all the macros built into it and all the hues of lights that you can get. Uh, it's about a $100 mouse. You remember the one we talked about? I remember. And you know what I think we're going to do? What are we going to do, Root? I think I'm going to ethically bribe our audience. I think that if we get... From now until the end of the month, if we get 100 subscribers to our email list on FeedBurner, which you can subscribe right there on HearthCast.com on our main page, if we get 100 from now until the end of the, end of the month, if we get 100 new subscribers, anybody who's on our list, I'm going to put them into a raffle, and I'm going to give that mouse away to somebody. Wow. So all can you I have to do... Up? You're not eligible. Sorry. Uh, that just makes the odds better for everybody else. See? <laughs> All you have to do is go to our website, hearthcast.com, sign up for the feed burner email list. And all it's going to do is let you know when our podcasts are, uh, are out. Sign up for that. If we get 100 between now and the end of the month, everybody who's on that list, I'm going to pick somebody at complete random. And I'm going to give them the wow mouse so i'll contact you via email i'll get your your specifics your uh, your address and everything else and i will send you on me free of charge including posting and handling and everything else won't cost you a dime the wow mouse and that's not a bad deal i don't think all right but for anyone eligible again we have to have 100 new registrations so if you're wanting that mouse just make sure you get your friends to sign up too so they can make sure we hit those numbers. That's right. And that's not a big number to hit. So it's only 100 more than what we've got. So that's not bad. It's only 100 more from where we're at today. Now, coming up in next week's show, we're going to discuss auctioneer. We discussed, we've talked about it here and there, letting you know, hey, you should be scanning every day, what you should be doing. But we're going to talk about it in depth next week about how to properly set it up, not to take the defaults, what the optimal settings are, how to search for things, how to do things with Auctioneer from stem to stern without getting too much overly dramatic in the details. We're going to cover Auctioneer so that you can get the best out of it for your bank character. We're also going to talk about Swag Dog and some of the things that they're doing 
to make the World of Warcraft a more interesting game outside of the game of World of Warcraft. So until next week, we thank you for your time. We thank you for your patience. If you need to get a hold of us or want to be part of our show, you can visit us online at hearthcast.com or drop us an email at contribute at hearthcast.com. All right, well, this has been Freckleface. And Root, thanking you for listening to our episode here at hearthcast.com. We'll see you next time. Bye.